Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, the new community manager for Idle Champions, will ask them later in the show. Uh, but until then, uh, Mitra, uh, Dr. B, uh, who, who are you for people who may not know? Oh, you're muted. <laughs> really should learn to unmute at the right moments. Um, so I'm Mitra Jordan. Uh, my sense of timing is usually better than this. Um, I'm a registered clinical counselor working out of Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, I work with adults mostly, sometimes families, uh, couples. And I often talk about games and gaming, if clients bring it up, of course. Um, <laughs> and games as a source of uh, mental health and a mental health strategy sometimes with games and gaming. So that's me. Yeah. yeah. And I am Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as the Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. And I every time. am... What's that? Every I laugh time. Every time. Every no, time. <laughs> Just tells you that my delivery is so good. Um, <laughs> it's why all the dad jokes work when I tell them. Oh, boy. Oh, we had to come to that, didn't we? <laughs> of course we had to come. We'll come to that later. Uh, we but... always, we live there. This is not a place we just visit. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a I am a non-practicing doctor of clinical psychology. I do talk I do nothing but policy and education these days. Although I was clinically trained and I may work with people again one day. I haven't decided. But uh, I am also an expert on the applied use of role-playing games in clinical and learning settings. And my goodness, we almost have a hype train going already. We are like two really? minutes into this, and we almost have a hype train. Hey, that is hype train. wonderful. Hype train. Uh, but yeah, so I am here to I am here to talk about what we can do to get you all into a late model therapy. Oh God, no! <laughs> what do I got to do to get you into therapy today? Is it matte or shiny? I just want to better understand what it looks like. It's an all leather interior couch. Actually, uh, that you I, get I to do lay on. actually have a leather couch in my office. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> oh, Why you call I'm me out quiet. like that? <laughs> uh oh. Let's, okay, let's change that up and let's see if I can make myself just a little louder. And yeah. we made it all the way to the hype train. Level hey. two. The reckoning. <laughs> um, so, yeah, today we're talking about when is therapy? Yeah. And 
uh, you know, I, I kind of like the during at the beginning of our meeting, the Doctor B's like, okay, so what is what? Why are we doing this one? And my answer was, well, we talked about uh, what to do when you know you need therapy, like how to find a therapist, but not when you might think not not my move. Right when you need therapy, <laughs> I can't speak. That's okay. Uh, we'll do it for you. Yeah, it's what it's what I do. I just speak all the time, but I can't do it. Um, but you know, what what are the signs that you might think you need therapy essentially so where do you want to start with that besides me not being able to speak well i think we should ask the active therapist first when is therapy yeah um when your gut tells you that you need therapy is a good starting point sometimes other people will mention that hey this is a really good thing to talk to a professional about it might be that it might be that there's something that you feel needs more eyes on it or more thought for it or your a little. I'm not saying this very well, am I? And I'm supposed Words to be good at speaking. Um, when you are having trouble finding the words that match up with what you're feeling, a therapist can help you work through that. So there you go. Um, and yep. when you're also when you've had a lot of changes to your life context, um, maybe you got married, had a kid, or or are going through a divorce, or have parents who are going through a divorce, or uh, you just started university and you're kind of struggling with that. You know, these are all good times. These points of life transition, uh, moving countries. You know, any times where there's a lot of transition in your life is probably a really good time to reevaluate. So, and therapy is a great tool for reevaluating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, but you know, one of the, a tip I like to give people when they're thinking about therapy is if you're debating whether or not should I go and do the therapy thing, then probably, actually, mm -hmm. if you're debating it, it's probably not a bad idea to go. Um, and the worst that's going to happen is you get an objective third voice, who ideally objective third voice, uh, we'll talk about a little bit more about that later. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you get a third, uh, third party who's uh, ideally objective, who's going to come in and say, you're actually doing pretty well, all things mm -hmm. considered, because one of the things I've run into a lot of times is uh, the idea that because you're struggling with something doesn't mean – if you're struggling with something, a lot of people consider that not coping well. And having, uh, having another person saying, yeah, you're struggling and you're getting through it pretty darn well is a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And so – yeah, like much like my tip for when do you call a crisis line? Well, if you're debating, call the crisis line. When is therapy? Well, if you're debating, give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. give it a shot. Um, but very specifically, if you're think if you're looking for specific signs that therapy may be something that's useful for you in your life, uh, I have certainly known people who simply wanted an ongoing objective voice in term mm. that they that I mean you're literally paying someone to pay attention to you for an hour and offer their opinion on what's going on. I mean if you think about it that's kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, and also they help you figure out your opinion of what's going on. Not right. only can they offer a a context and I think this is the piece. It's it's a little bit less it's it's an opinion sure, but it's also helping you recognize the context, you know, I 
can't tell you how many people through the pandemic particularly would say, you know, I really feel I'm not progressing in my life. And, you know, other people seem to be doing, you know, better than me. And then we kind of break it down and look at what they're coping with and, um, you know, the support they're maybe offering family or friends and the fact that, um, they're, they haven't, they've managed to not catch coronavirus and they've managed to stay relatively sane and they've managed mm-hmm. to mostly take care of their health in other ways too. And it's like, you know what? You're operating in this really tough context. You've had yeah. to change how you work. You've had to change how you support your family. You know, you're not getting to see people or getting any of the resources. So it's like a lot of people, when we, uh, when we think about our lives, we're not actually uh, maybe thinking about uh, the context in which we're operating those lives. So somebody else from outside of us is usually better able to see that and to help us make sense of our experience. Mm-hmm. So. Well, other times, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of times that we might feel like i mean we're just really struggling with something and the 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 push i i I think the push from therapy well for therapeutic outcomes in the last couple of decades has been shifting more towards a functionality perspective as opposed to a pathologizing perspective i mean there's still pathologizing that goes on don't get me wrong um but we're I, i i think that we've been moving slowly towards a functionality perspective that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're moving through life, okay, then great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the signs for me is when, because I'm, you know, those of you who have watched the show for a while, we're in season three now. Woot. Uh, thank Yay. you. Ch- thank you. Codename entertainment. <laughs> um, we, Oh, I got a T. I got a T in the, oh, uh, oh, in the chat did. pathologizing. Okay. Thank you, Star Chaser. <laughs> um, T for terminology. Uh, so pathologizing, if you look at the history of of psychiatry and, psychiatry and psychology, it hasn't been a pretty one, especially if you go back 80 to 100 years ago, that it was used in a lot of very oppressive ways. Not to say we haven't fully escaped that, but we have learned in many ways from mistakes of the past and we will continue to do so so as we go forward um the a lot of the way that psychiatry and psychology was used especially you know 100ish years ago was to separate the the good from the bad the 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 sane from the insane and um, I mean, just to, as a mom- as a way of clarifying uh, th- those terms, like sanity, sane, it's a legal term. It's not even a mental health term in mm-hmm. these days. So hmm. um, when I say pathologizing, I mean specifically they're there to give a diagnosis and say who's sick and who's not. There's a lot of controversy around the medical model of therapy and psychology. With that's a whole thing unto itself. Um, God, yeah, the yeah. social social model versus medical model versus uh, strengths based model. I mean, there's that we're getting way into the weeds on that one, but um, that so, actually, you know, but that also that also that also comes into play when we're when we're thinking about what therapy can do for us mm-hmm. and why we might seek it. And so, um, especially for me, I'm very public about my autism. And there are a lot of times, because I have a social disability due to my autism, that I feel overwhelmed 
and I feel exhausted about going through life as a Linux in a Windows world. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we, I, 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 my therapist and I, we work together on some of that stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're working with what you call functionality, you know, ways to be that Linux in a Windows world, as opposed to pathologizing, which is really about diagnosing. So initially in the history of psychology, um, diagnosing was the big piece, just as because that's a big piece of the medical model. So you go in there and you diagnose what's wrong um, and maybe figure out a treatment plan. Um, and in the sense that treatment plan is about sort of functioning in the world, but in the early days, the treatment plan was much more about, well, this is who you are. And there was much more of a, of a um, you are now stuck with this negative identity. Well, approach. I mean, Freud talked, Freud talked about it as the talking cure. Yeah. There's this idea of curing mental health challenges, yeah. which we've, I think a lot of us have shifted away from. Yeah. So a lot of it now is about um, what we are dealing with in therapy, the talking piece, is helping a person uh, come to terms with possibly other mental health challenges they have, but also just how to make better sense of, of your life and your choices going forward, how to operate within the context you're in, um, mm-hmm. and how to create new contexts that are more supportive for you. And that would look like your context is a terrible job. Well, what sorts of things can you do <laughs> to, uh, you know, what is there training? Is there, how do you move forward? Um, right. What would it be like to do a job search or any of those things. And so therapy mm-hmm. can actually help you, help support you through those kinds of transitions as well. Uh, right. Or and make sense of the, whether you need uh, to change your job or is it your perception of your job that's the issue? You know, so it's a bit, it's about unpacking uh, all of those things, mm-hmm. uh, elements to your life and making well, better sense of them. And you're, you're bringing up a good element, Mitra, that the idea or your confusion, confu- see confusion for me is like a big red flag. Mm-hmm. And if I'm confused about something and I can't resolve that confusion, um, that's when I'm like, hey, appointment time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. when, when do you have an opening for us to chat? Because there's just something I can't work out on my own. Whether right. it's and you, you know, you in our pre-production meeting, you co- you brought up the idea of cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. basically. And the, the, the quick version of cognitive dissonance is you think the world works one way. The world doesn't work that way. And it brings up an icky feeling that you have to somehow resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a perfect description. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to keep that. It's an icky feeling you somehow have to resolve because these two things are really yeah. just not lining up. This is up. how I think the world should yeah. work. The world somehow defied my expectations because the world's <laughs> never done that before. Gosh, um, no. Well, <laughs> and getting into that, um, one of the more prominent te- undergrad ty- uh, textbooks on that topic uh, likes to say we are not rational creatures, we are rationalizing. And often for many of us, it's easier to rationalize that dissonance away than adjust our worldview. And But yeah. mm, that's a whole and different And we, we do tell ourselves we're the problem some of the time. Um, and how I like to express that with people is like, does your world kind of fit you more or less? Or do you find you're like pretzeling yourself into all kinds of uncomfortable shapes to kind of fit into your world? Mental gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be me, it's others. But um, 
a whole spirit squad of cognitive dissonance. Oh my god! There's like oh. a little, there's like a little, a little chorus that that sort of an acapella <laughs> chorus that lives in 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 Doctor B's head and oh, you know it's comes out at the best times. It's oh, no. not. There's music. No. There's it's a, a full orchestra. Band. Is that what's happening? Oh no, it's it's, a, it's got. I've got an entire cadre of musicians that come out it. at various times for various reasons. That's Sometimes right. it's just a troubadour with a guitar and a harmonica. Other times it's <laughs> freaking Ben Folds with the entire Australian Philharmonic. It's ridiculous, but um, <laughs> no, Herkwork. That's exactly right. No. No, it's the children who are the problem. <laughs> Could I be so out of touch? No. Oh, Armin Tamsarian. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so there are there are a lot of times where I'm confused, and that's for me that is a big sign that time to talk to my therapist because they're an objective voice that's going to help me sort of wade through the muck of my emotional state and mental confusion to find some clarity so that... yeah yeah and we have to decide what needs to make sense for us uh and whether we do want to actually spend the time i'm noting star teacher 43 um sometimes something doesn't make sense that's okay let's move on yes Yes, sometimes it's okay to move on and to understand that we're not going to understand, particularly when it comes to uh, motivations that other people may have. If they're not close to us or, or they're not significant it's, it's in our lives, I'm not saying they're not significant, um, it's okay to just be like, you know what, um, I don't always have to understand where other people are coming from. It can be okay to just either support them or accept that you know, mm -hmm. but but that's where therapy is handy. It's like helps us focus on what is really relevant in our lives. What do we need to really understand about ourselves or those we care for, um, about the world in which we live? What aspects matter to us? Um, mm -hmm. And making sense of that can free up a lot of emotional energy we would otherwise spend um, maybe going in circles. So we'd prefer not to do that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, so that's, that's where it basically, if I'm feeling, if we're feeling confused, if we're feeling distressed, um, and that's, that's a good, that's a good time to go to see an individual therapist or even group mm -hmm. therapy. Cause mm -hmm. we, I don't think we've talked, I don't really think we've talked about some of the differences. Oh in the yeah. Way no, we haven't. Mm -hmm. Like we, we often talk about therapy is in um this individual one-on-one -on -one context but sometimes group therapy can be really helpful for a lot mm -hmm. of people and mm -hmm. there's a power to be it, it on one hand at least for me it's a little harder to open up in a group context because you know i've had a lot of ill things happen in my life to mm -hmm. put it mildly uh and uh, you know, it's tough enough to open up to one person, but now I'm talking to, you know, six, seven other people mm -hmm. and it's difficult to open up to all of those. But at the same time, listening to those other people's stories within a context that is similar to my own can be is it just incredibly normalizing to realize I'm not alone in my struggles in the same way that receiving an autism diagnosis 
made me mm-hmm. feel less it, it made me feel not like a broken version of normal but no yeah. there are other people who struggle with some of the same things i do mm-hmm. group therapy so let's can also, have that power yeah let's talk a little bit about um what group therapy means versus uh, someone was mentioning does taking your parents to therapy count as a group therapy thank you for the question Time to <laughs> um, no that is family therapy um, I, I do family therapy I also do marriage counseling and then I do individual work um, group therapy is different in that you don't actually choose the group uh, that you're going to be in you choose the group therapy that you want to experience right so there's group therapy for say anxiety um, or depression, or uh, coming to terms with a cancer diagnosis, uh, you know, those kinds of therapies exist. Um, or um, you might be in a group therapy with a group of other people who are also experiencing, say, separation and divorce. Generally not couples, generally separate individuals experiencing it. Um, and the purpose of that is to be in a group where you're experiencing similar challenges, um, and then being able to uh, sort of share in some of that experience, you feel less alone. Uh, a skilled therapist will uh, help draw out um, your, not or just your own resources, but uh, help you work through what of the tools in there are going to work for you versus other people. And it just helps you get that sense of uh, connection with others. Um, and am I missing anything with group with the value of I- group therapy? I do have a question about uh-huh. group therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just something that popped into my head that I realized I've never known. Is is that something that you seek out? Is it like, I feel like I want to be in group therapy? Or is that something that's suggested by it, a therapist? Both, actually. Um, in fact, in Victoria, there's actually um, there's a mindfulness therapy group. And there's um, an anxiety one um, that's very CBD focused, which is great. Uh, CBT, C- I mean. CBD Cog- or CBT? CBT. Was, oh, okay. I was about to say, I'm just like, that's like, pretty chill. In British uh, Columbia, right? I would not be shocked if it was okay. CBD. <laughs> no. Um, and those two Everyone are... just chill out. Just a little tab right there. Everyone chill out. Those two are often referred to by your medical professional. Usually your GP yes. uh, can refer those. Um, and your therapist can mention them to you and say, hey, you could talk to your GP about this because it's kind of a GP-only re- referral situation. But in any case, sorry, I keep fiddling with this. My earbud does not want to stay in my ear. So if you see me reach a lot this this time, you'll know why. Um, group therapy should be limited to uh, at most eight to ten participants max. I really like it when it's kept down to eight participants plus the facilitator. I like it when there's two facilitators. Um, oh, okay. Yep, because that can they be really helpful. Not only do they keep each other accountable, but they're also better able to manage and support the group. So it yeah. can feel like there's a lot of individual focus and support within the group. I like I like to see really small groups because I think um, sometimes it's really challenging for people if it's bigger than that. It can feel unwieldy and it can feel a little unsafe to share. Yeah. Um, so it's really important in a group situation that you the group be small enough that when you walk in, you feel like it's kind of a more intimate setting. <laughs> yeah, because there's a there's a about ba- so with group therapies and I haven't uh, you know why one it's been a while since I've worked with people specifically but it's been even longer since I did any group work um, or group therapy work psychoeducation is a little different which I've yeah. done um, but when it when it comes to group therapy 
there's a balance to be maintained between having the group and, uh, you know, having a group and also having the space to share your story. Absolutely. Because if you've got 20 people in a group therapy setting and you've got one hour, I mean, just do the math. Everyone's got between, you know, you got five minute intro, five minute outro. You've got 50 minutes in between. And so everybody has 2.5 minutes to share. Yeah. And what happens in those situations is inevitably the people who really actually do need airtime are often the people who are quieter um, and who uh, don't take up much space and who are very conscious of taking up space. And then you have, of course, the people who are super comfortable just being Mm -hmm. a little bit uh, out there and and more extroverted, you might say, or certainly more willing to take up space. And there is no room. (laughs) There is no room for them. Yeah. I need need to read this comment from uh, from C.Y. Morgan, who says, "Uh, I can't imagine a therapy group for ADHD. I feel like it would be all of us trying to talk at the same time. (laughs) So, I mean, stuff like that does exist. And I I will say I used to I used to uh, do social skills groups for teenagers who often mm. uh, were autistic or had ADHD or were neurodivergent on some level. And there are some tricks for managing that. Yeah, um, definitely. There, there, there are definitely some tricks. Yeah, but it's great because you can start to figure out who you are. And if you're, you know, if you're an impulsive chatter uh, and you tend to jump in, then that it's good to know that about yourself. And, and that yep. comes out in these kinds of mm-hmm. smaller groups. And now I'm going to do my Carol Burnett thing, as somebody in chat said. Star <laughs> Thank you, Star okay. Chaser. Listen, oh, tiny God. pencils, I'm Stay not saying it. I bribed everyone with snacks. I'm not <laughs> saying I bribed everyone with snacks. But I'm saying that snacks were periodically available uh, when we had really... I'm saying that it worked on me as a child, and I and I, I, I definitely not brought in snacks that. from time to time. <laughs> I'm saying snacks would have been awesome, and why did no one think of this? <laughs> I am deaf. No, I like especially small portable like fruit snacks that you know that I think it, like the knots gummy fruit snacks that was amazing as praise for people and reward because um, the, that's the really cool opportunity I think about group therapy uh, settings is that you can. It, it's not just a therapeutic thing, it's a social thing. And mm-hmm. so you're nor- you're getting some of your experiences normalized, but at the same time, uh, you're, get- you're learning to exist within a social network of supportive people, which has its own skill set, and it's really cool. Um, but I-, 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 I wonder if we should start talking about what isn't therapy for, because... I don't. Well, I don't want us to be like therapy is a, therapy is amazing for everything. Yeah, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. Um, first, let's go ahead and take our mission disclaimer to remind viewers and listeners uh, what's going on here, and uh, then we will dive into that. So we will be right back. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, 
and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. With the we've talked about like what therapy like you know it's like hey if you think you might need therapy go to therapy and whatnot but there are some things that therapy might not help with and uh so so what what are some things that you all wanted to bring up uh for that so therapy helps shine a light on your situation okay that's that's one of the most useful aspects of therapy but it can't change your situation so if we come to this place where we understand that you're having a really tough time at work and you've brought a lot of strategies into your life, in your work life, in your work situation to make it better, that's great. But if you're still really unhappy in your work situation, there is nothing else we can do. You've, you've talked to your boss, you've done, the, you know, you've done all the things that you think will help and they don't. So therapy can't change your job. Therapy can change you. But therapy can't change the people around you. So therapy can help you deal with um, a challenging parental relationship, say, or, or, a, or a difficult sibling, or you know. But we can't change the sibling and the parent. So we can change how you address things with them. Um, we can help you figure out what to say or how to cope with things. We can help you minimize some of the difficult interactions. We can help you figure out how to set boundaries or take a break or any of those good things that have to do with how you as an individual operate in the world. But the context around you, you know, we can't, we can't fix. And if the people in your life that are difficult aren't also willing to uh, support or improve their relationship with you, then we can't change that. You will have a better sense of, of what you're experiencing and what you're working with, um, but that's it. Therapy can't fix your marriage. Um, therapy well, can uh, help. Uh, yes. Individual therapy can't fix your marriage. No, even even marriage therapy can't fix your marriage. And let me explain. Um, so when you uh, go now, see, I'm intrigued. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I've done a lot of marriage therapy in my time, and it's one of my favorite ways to work. I love working with couples. Um, so there have been times in my work with couples where people have come in thirty years into a marriage, um, and they've now separated. But, you know, they've come into marriage counseling to kind of look at if there's anything they can do, right? Often at that point, not always, but often, it can be too little too late. The dynamics and the interactions that have built up over that much time together, that have created mistrust, that have created loss of intimacy and connection, it is really hard to get that back. And so I would urge people in terms of marriage counseling, go early. Like don't wait years and years and years and oh. years of a really difficult relationship to then as a last ditch effort, try okay. therapy. Okay, That's I what think I, I understand what you're saying. That it that that it, even like couples and family therapy is not just like a magical solution for no. years of built-up problems. Right. However, if you are really willing to work on those issues, and especially if you're willing to address those issues 
early enough, then it can be a way of altering the patterns within that system, but it's exactly. not a magical quick fix. Exactly. Oh, okay. I yeah. see. All right. Okay. We were thinking about things similarly, but saying, that, but, uh, but <laughs> expressing things a little differently. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, one of the big things I've been hearing from a lot of people a lot lately is a reminder, similarly to what Mitra said, is that individual therapy and even group therapy cannot change the systems around you. Yeah. Um, not directly anyway. And so, you know, we're, we've been, oh God, I mean, we've been, we've been all living in a, a year that many of us would like to forget and uh, I, you know, I see all these news articles like, why are we so, why is our mental health so bad? I'm like, really, really, <laughs> really, um, but, you know, and therapy can be a wonderful strategy for helping you bolster your individual coping strategies. But me going to therapy ain't going to fix COVID. Yeah. Me no. going to therapy isn't going to make more people get vaccinated. No. It can help you deal with some of the frustrations around the circumstances that you can't change. And it can help you come up with different strategies to cope better with them. And it really does help you figure out what it is you can change and what it is you can't. And that's super useful because more than we would like to believe, we find ourselves tilting at windmills, uh, you know, just trying to change something or fight Fight the wrong fight, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. So therapy does help you figure out what it is that we uh, that we can't, you know, immovable object and all that. Some things just can't be changed, and it's good to understand where to put our energy. So right, and you know that's often a focus. I you know I I hear this from people in various marginalized groups, and I'm just you know talking about autism and neurodiversity. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times. Uh, a lot of times the therapeutic focus for me, because I can't change the, I can't change the fact through individual therapy that I exist in a world that's not built for me. Mm -hmm. um, now, what I can do is I can work on acceptance of myself within the context of that world. What I can do is I can work on ways for me to not be as a, you know, to not be reflexively apologetic for being different within this world. What I can do is I can work on being better at identifying ways to help change the systems around me, mm -hmm. but the therapy itself isn't going to change that system. And a good therapist, and I'm really thankful for mine, is going to be one who acknowledges those systems in place that are, in many in a lot of cases, oppressive. Yeah, it's really validating to have someone do that um, because sometimes. Uh, when we have, when we're told that we sh shouldn't feel oppressed, the system meets everyone's needs. There's the dissonance, right? Uh -huh. The cognitive dissonance we were talking about uh -huh. between my actual experience and what I'm being told I should experience. And so, having someone help you make sense of that, um, so that you can put your energies where they'll be much better, better spent for you, is really important. Yeah, and also to cope with the very real frustration of, yeah. uh, you know, especially if you are a person who exists within one or, you know, at the intersection of one or more marginalized identities, that the the powerlessness that often accompanies 
existence, you know, at those intersections. And there, it, mm, see, getting, getting angry now, getting, yeah. feeling righteous indignation, yeah. come on up. And it's, it, it, it becomes a for another form of oppression to, to, this is where it comes back to that pathologizing thing, to pathologize feeling helpless when you do have systems stacked up against you. Yes. You get told, um, you know, for instance, if you experience racism, you get told that that's not true, that that's not what you're experiencing. So not only are you already experiencing the racism, but it makes it 10 times worse to not be believed and supported in your experience. And, and, and so this is a key thing. Um, therapy should help you validate and understand your experiences. And mm-hmm. um, in that way, your therapist isn't there to, to judge your experience, but rather to support you in managing those experiences. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, 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 that is a frequent misconception. And we, we see this all the time, uh, that if we see a- behavior that we consider perplexing or we consider aberrant or out of the realm of the norm, it. I talked about 100 years ago when we would you know, send people it, it, it look at some of the historical documents from the Victorian era and some of the reasons, especially women were, were admitted to psychiatric institutions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in some cases, you know, ha- thinking feminist thoughts was considered mm-hmm. aberrant and was like, Oh, they're, they're hysterical. Send them to the institution. And it's, it, 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 that lingers even today that people who think differently than us, well, we think, oh, they must be, well, they must need therapy when that's not always the case. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times people's, the output of, of the output of their situations, my chronic depression is not because I, you know, I'm naturally predisposed to chronic depression. My chronic depression is because I'm autistic in a world that's not built for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's as simple as that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know a single person who has a chronic uh, medical condition, who has a long-term mental health challenge, who has... I, I can't think of anybody I know who is neurodivergent who doesn't struggle with a secondary thing because of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a, and any good therapist is going to be able to acknowledge those systemic influences and is not going to, you know, wave a magic wand and be like, poof, the world is now autism friendly, yeah. but is going to empathize with those struggles of yours. Absolutely. So that is definitely a piece of the work um, is to help you explicate your experience, empathize with those struggles, help you figure out what can be changed and, and what right. needs to be managed because it right. can't just be changed. Um, and, and just really kind of help you make sense of, of, of your experience and, and your uh, place in the world. And then if it is um, marriage counseling or couple work that you're looking for, um, it is protecting your relationship. In individual therapy, it's protecting your relationship with yourself and sometimes with those around you. And in marriage therapy, it certainly is protecting your relationship. Um, as well as your own individual place within the relationship, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't need our relationships to be oppressive. Um, and so often I find in a relationship, one person is kind of setting their needs aside in some way and then maybe feeling resentment about it. So it's 
really a great opportunity to kind of um, get to uh, look at what's happening relationally for you and together in order to improve it. You know, there's a metaphor I once read um, from uh, two very famous, now very, with at least within the psychology world, Irving and Miriam Polster, uh, old school therapists uh, for something that's largely out of vogue right now called uh, Gestalt therapy. Mm. And a metaphor that they used is that therapists act as a resonance chamber. Mm. reflecting the sound back Mm -hmm. at the person, at the client. And being able to distill that, reflect what they're hearing can be a powerful tool in sorting, in sorting that thing out. And it's, uh, that in and of itself can be a powerful experience just to, to, regardless of whether you have a diagnosis or not to hear Mm -hmm. an objective third party sort of voice that back to you that you are saying that can be enlightening in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would really, uh, somebody was sharing about Cy Morgan in my country therapies for crazy people. So I want to bring up the stigma (sighs) that, that often, uh, surrounds the idea of, of therapy, which is that you must have a problem, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you must have a mental health issue to be going to therapy. Um, you know, I think therapy can often be a real sign of, of health, which is that, I want to look more closely at this thing that scares me. Mm-hmm. You know how some people put off going to the GP? There's something wrong. And, and I understand, and I'm going to really bring this to the fore. A lot of people can't, don't have good medical care, yep. don't have a doctor. And going to a GP is, is, is super costly. So I'm not talking about those reasons. Because mm-hmm. those are really valid reasons for struggling, you know, in terms of not getting your healthcare needs met. And I'm, I'm so sorry, because I know that, that good medical care isn't always available. But I'm talking about you have medical care, mm-hmm. um, and you maybe have something undiagnosed happening, and you're just not willing to, to kind of, you're too afraid to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same with your mental health, right? It's going to take some courage. But when we when we don't go to the doctor when we should, you know, people in our life usually say, look, just go to the doctor for this thing that you've now had for months. Why do you still have this cough or whatever it is? Right. Um, That's what we need to do in terms of mental health. That's how we need to be approaching this. If for some reason you are suffering or struggling. Why not go see a therapist? Why not go see if that can help you? I, I was I've been sitting here laughing at this Mitra because of a campaign I believe the Ad Council did in the United States due to the stubbornness and reluctance of largely men. They were targeting men mm. to go see a physical practitioner mm-hmm. for their mm-hmm. for their medical health. And I was thinking about uh, a billboard that I saw a picture being defaced. And the the advertisement was, this year, thousands of men will die of stubbornness. And graffiti below it was, no, we won't. (laughs) Honestly, you know, I have family members who didn't go to the doctor soon enough and then um, unfortunately died because of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's it's horrific and it's tragic and it's completely unnecessary. 
And there are people right now struggling with uh, a complicated family situation, say, um, or adjustment to a new situation, a country because of divorce, dealing with trauma, um, you know, a diagnosis of some sort. They don't understand why or what it means. Go see a therapist. We can help clear this up. And you know what? We're ethical enough to tell you if we can't. And if it looks like we're not ethical, don't come see us. Find someone else, you know. You deserve the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. um, Um, Real quick here towards the end uh, before we check in with chat, um, our our new mod, Martin. Hey, Martin, you're doing a great job. Hi, Brought up a good point. So so, uh, Martin was around for the the beginning of the show, but uh, said – uh, something that hadn't been asked in chat, but I, uh, I'm curious about is how would you go about getting therapy if you have no experience seeking out a therapist? And we did an episode on this, but that was 21 episodes ago. 21 um, episodes 21 ago. 21 episodes ago. Wow. So, you know, some people might be new to the show. Uh, I mean, even if you saw that episode, again, it was 21 <laughs> episodes ago. Yeah. Um, what What is some quick things that we could could say uh, if you don't have any experience looking for a therapist. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> meet, meet, meet her in the back. <laughs> um, so first of all, uh, you can ask if you have friends and family who are open to this, you can ask if they know someone or if they've had good experiences with therapists. Word of mouth is great. Um, you can call organizations that offer low-cost or no-cost counseling. That's another route. Um, you can seek out peer support because having a first inexpensive experience with the therapy might therapist might be really nice. Um, you can also contact some therapists. You can even look online and search people out and look at their web pages and see what they have to say for themselves. And another big thing is you can ask people if they're willing to have a short conversation or do a free consult, a free short conversation. Uh, where they can tell you a little bit about themselves and how they work, and maybe you can share a little bit of a meet and greet. I offer this to all clients. I offer all clients a half an hour of my time um, and of their time. I do 30 minutes free consult every prospective client. Yeah. Wow. I don't want people to pay me before they know what they're paying for. I don't feel okay about that. Now, every therapist does this differently, and I have no judgment. There are some excellent therapists who don't do it, but what I mm-hmm. would like to see is at least a phone conversation um, so that you can get That's a sense of who they are. And and so that, because I, I feel like when, you're, when you are paying for a service, you should feel some confidence um, in being able to get that what you're looking for from that person. Uh, you should be able to feel a sense of safety and trust because therapy doesn't work without safety and trust. Yeah, so, absolutely. So that's one way to search around. Um, I think most every ethical therapist should be able to tell you if they feel they can help you or if they feel someone else would be a better fit. Uh, within that first conversation, I always open it up to how is this going? You know, what are they looking for? Please don't feel you have to book for, with me. Please feel free to go away and think about it. Or if it's couple therapy, please feel free to go away and talk about it together and see what a fit is. And I'm always willing to offer referrals to other people. Mm-hmm. So when you're shopping around for a therapist, you should get to do that shopping around piece. Uh, if you're coming to see me, I want you to feel really confident that this is feeling good every yeah. session, right? So mm-hmm. uh, some people have asked me at times if you know they can pay for three or four sessions. Uh, or do a, like a package or something. And I don't do that. 
And the reason I don't do that is I want you to feel every single time that you are free to not come back or to mm -hmm. go see someone else uh, or for you to say to me, listen, I don't think this is, um, I'm, I'm realizing that I also need this other thing over here or someone yeah. who specializes in whatever. And I'm like, great, let's find you that person. Yeah, uh, Mar Martin actually spotlighted uh, someone in the chat, uh, mm -hmm. RS Wildeye, that said, and don't be afraid to change therapists uh, that first one, if that first one doesn't work out. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And um, I want to, I want to talk it. Uh, I would love to talk to that. I don't want to cut you off, Mitra, if you, mm. if you're not done. I'm done for okay. now. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, so what I would say is there is a, you know, find the right fit in terms of therapists. And one of the things we know is that the relationship, the connection, can you get a vibe that you can trust this person is the single most important controllable factor in the outcome of therapy. Yeah. Um, technique matters less than that connection. And one of the things you can do is you can go to takethis.org. And we've actually got some great mental health resources on uh, over at Take This uh, about how to find a therapist who works for you. Uh, mm -hmm. there, it's probably our our most utilized resource but excuse me when i met with people something i was big on telling them is because they were often nervous to talk to me because the way our medical system is set up there is a power differential that i was the one who had the so much social power in that circumstance so i tend to like therapists who go out of their way to make it more egalitarian as much as possible. And one of the things I would remind people I worked with is, I work for you. Mm -hmm. You're my boss. Yep. Yeah. You are my boss. 100%. I work for you. And yeah. that was, in and of itself, just such a revolutionary idea to so many people. They're like, wait a minute, you do work for me. That's weird. <laughs> um, because they, they felt like they had to meet up to my expectations. Like, no, you pay my bills. Uh, so I work for you. And... Mm -hmm. So finding a therapist who meets your needs, one of the questions I would often ask people when they would come in to see me is, what are you not looking for? Yep, mm -hmm. me too. Because that, is a, that in and of itself can be a powerful question because it's not something a lot of people think about. Um, and usually the answer was, what I'm not looking for is someone who's going to be like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, well, tell me about your mother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the problem was you were toilet trained at uh, way too late of an age. And it just something like that, the sort of classical stereotype of what therapy is. Mm -hmm. And so instead, we talked about the sort of delivery methods they were looking for. They were looking for someone who offers a lot of, and we haven't talked about this, psychoeducation. Mm -hmm. um, my bias is to offer a lot of, well, my bias was, because I don't do it now, is, well, I guess I do. I mean, this is all about psychoeducation, what we do. I yeah. want to educate people as much as possible um, to put the power back in their hands. Definitely. And that in and of itself, because, you know, the medical model is steeped in mystery and steeped in, well, I'm doing this for your own good, but I'm not telling you why. I mm -hmm. And so psychoeducation, basically telling people about diagnoses, giving them resources, empowering them to basically be their own therapist in so much as they can, um, that was a huge part of the way I worked. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that was a tremendous fit. Yeah. For other people, 
that was not a good fit. And you know what? That's okay. I want to ref I wanted to refer them out to the people who were going to do them the most good because that's the goal. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. I think I sort of straddle a line between kind of psychoeducation, if that's what a client needs, and really helping them also just explore where they're at emotionally. I do end up working a lot with grief and loss. Um, I also work a lot with the with social justice issues. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's all what you need. But at the core of it, for me, it's about helping you come to some uh, fuller understanding of your, your own response because we often don't allow ourselves to feel. So how do you mm -hmm. cope with what you're feeling and how do you manage your feelings on a day-to-day -day basis so that, mm -hmm. you, so that they're not running you, but rather yeah, I... you're able to kind of really fully embrace your life so mm -hmm. basically but, how to be the best you you can be well yeah <laughs> but not in some kind of schlocky way man i'm just you know it but like hey, there's Mitra. a lot of the hey how Mitra. to be the best you oh no oh no here oh, we Mitra. go it's a hey mitra moment <laughs> yes mitra let Please. me show you this late model therapy. There is so much trouble. Oh, no, no, no. We can put so many coping strategies in the trunk. It is a hatchback, so you can fold the seats down. Put so many coping strategies, so many strengths. The shocks, the tires, they're so amazing. Uh, Screeching out of the parking idea. lot on We can that fit one. so many coping mechanisms in this room right here. Look this, at this. Um, look at this. Look at this engine. This we is got going the engine to, to run all the mechanisms. Oh no, it's an ATV, all oh, trauma God. vehicle. We're going to bring this to your attention. Vehicle. No! <laughs> okay. Folks, um, folks, this is how it goes. This, this, this is why it amazes me that we actually get a show together every week because this is at least half of our meeting. Um, I do, I do want to say real quick uh, Cyborg had had a comment up earlier that was uh, some of the fact of like, oh, they, they told their coworker that they were going to therapy and their coworker was like, why? And I, I can relate. I, I had a moment like that when I worked at a restaurant where I'm like, oh, I can't take that shift. I have therapy that day. And they're like, you go to therapy? You don't, you don't seem like you need therapy. I'm like, that's my secret. I always need therapy. Uh. <laughs> you don't seem like you need therapy because I'm in therapy. You answered your own question. Yep, yep. Uh, but that actually uh, uh, kind of works nicely into Herkwork's question, uh, which is what is the difference between therapist and psychologist? Okay. Uh, Mitra, you want to take this one or you want me to go into the Dude, lengthy legal explanation? Dude, you're the psychologist. <laughs> well, no, I'm okay, so no, I'm technically not. And we get, and that actually gets into some, some things. If you notice, gang, I never refer to myself as a psychologist because I am not a licensed clinical psychologist. Remember I say I'm non-practicing because doing education and policy doesn't require an independent license to practice. Now, True. different states, different regions have different classifications for what constitutes a mental health therapist and what constitutes a clinical psychologist. And generally, the uh, generally the difference is psychologists, clinical psychologists, have a doctorate in psychology and have passed a licensure exam to be a practicing psychologist. And they can do therapy, they can do testing, like personality, uh, cognitive testing, that sort of thing, whereas mental health counselors do therapy they don't yep. do all the messy testing stuff yeah we do not do testing we can recommend or refer for testing um but we don't do testing we don't do diagnosis we can look at um clusters of behavior and help you sort of maybe recognize 
um, certain behaviors in yourself, but that's not the same as diagnosing and we stay away from that. So, Well, yeah. and that's a regional difference because here in the United States, they're a therapist. Um, so what do you, uh, RS Wildeye, what do you call someone with a degree in psychology who has no certifications? Um, well, if you notice, I only refer to myself by my academic degrees. I am a doctor of clinical psychology. I never refer to myself as a psychologist. Um, and because it just got brought up, the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is psychiatrists Has went to medical, medical school. Yeah. They went to medical school and they prescribe. But here in the United States, Mitra, me, uh, mental health counselors, those with master's level degrees mm -hmm. who are licensed to practice, they often can diagnose. Yeah. Right. And here in Canada, no, they do not diagnose. Uh, it's a it's a uh, psychologist who will do testing and sometimes diagnosis, and it is a, uh, a psychiatrist who will uh, sometimes diagnose um, and always prescribe. I'm not saying they always prescribe because everyone needs medication, but that would be their role is the prescribing if there is any to be done. Um, all three can offer therapy. Um, you're more likely to get therapy from a psychologist or a clinical counselor. Uh, so my master's is a master of arts in counseling psychology. I can call myself a therapist. Um, I call myself a counselor, but I'm not a psychologist. Mm -hmm. I guess I have a background in psychology, but that's not the same thing. When you call yourself a psychologist, it implies either licensure or registration or whatever it is in, in it your... It gets messy. It gets messy. So yeah. I don't get messy. And so. so that's part of the reason for the sake of ethics. If you notice, I'm very careful the way I, I don't refer to myself as a clinical psychologist. Um, and I just refer to myself by my academic degrees. And I try and be right. very clear that I don't work with people currently, though I was trained to work with people. And I might again in the future at some point right. um and so that that's because the term psychologist in a lot of states in the united states is a protected term and i could get in a lot of trouble if i go around calling myself that if i'm not licensed to practice in that state right mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that is uh, a good place to stop this episode um, on that kind of on that kind of serious note, yeah, I do. What I are do. You but, but Trevor, Trevor, <laughs> but Trevor, 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 this vehicle, this late model therapy that I have for you. Look at the sunroof. There is so much room for expansion of your of your strengths, your coping strategies. As you get mentally swole, your shoulders are not going to outgrow this thing. All right, the seats are adjustable. I need a shirt that says I'm mentally swole. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, you, as you get mentally swole, as oh you grow in terms of your ability to cope with the world, that sunroof is going to allow you to get as big, as mentally swole as possible while still driving this ATV in comfort. And so somebody asked who was driving the ATV, and I'm going to say it's you, people. That is yes. the point. That is yeah. absolutely the point, particularly with therapy. We're going to help you drive that all trauma vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Trauma oh, vehicle. That that that's the new uh, uh, tagline for the I show. Really Champions oh, of psychology, gonna... the all trauma vehicle. I am gonna no. I gotta come up with a better name for that because I that sounds like do. such a downer. It does, but it's it's not. It's a smooth smooth. It's an ride. all therapy vehicle. It gets it's you. An all it's an all, the ATV is the all therapy there vehicle. It gets you over the obstacles. That's why it has all wheel all time drive. 
all-time drive, and we help you not crash. That's the point. <laughs> it's yes. got airbags. Five-star safety ratings, thanks to Freud and Friends. <laughs> F and F. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, well... Okay, that is a good place to uh, end our discussion today. Uh, Mitra, Dr. B, where can people find you on the social medias? Oh, you can find me at my Twitter handle, and you can find me on my website at mitrajordan.com. Um, but I don't get around as much as this guy. <laughs> I... This is what I... I'm going to say from now on. It worked out point... last what? week. What? Huh? Him? Huh? 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 Uh, no, I can. Uh, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm found on all the socials, really, at the Doctor B T H E E D O C T O R B as in boy, and uh, yeah, you can uh, follow me there. But you, it's really more important that you follow. Take this at take this org on all of the socials. Uh, that's that's the better one to follow. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on the Difficulty Class podcast as well as Champions of Lore every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash Games, and also soon to be on all of the Idle Champions places. You see Idle Champions, I will be there. Uh, so, you know, follow all those fun places. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter uh, at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there as well as all of the numerous podcasts that I do because there's so many. Of so them. many. So many. Uh, I just today noticed that my blurb that pops up in chat lists all of my podcasts and then, oh my. Uh, <laughs> if you missed any part of this show, you can listen to it later at 2 p.m. in a podcast version on your favorite podcast service. If you have any suggestions for future topics, I even saw a few in chat today. Uh, send those into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com. Uh, thank you to Martin for modding in the chat today. He did a great job. And thank you to Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, for those of us that are live, let's see, what we got today? Oh, I, did I click away from it? I did. Well, there's uh, Bardic Inspiration going on in an hour, so be sure to come back for that. And uh, stay tuned for a bunch of uh, announcements about streaming things that are happening this week, because there is a lot of it so many, uh, so many. <laughs> um but uh but yeah that is gonna do it for this week's episode so until next week take care of yourself champions of psychology is meant as education and entertainment it is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts while we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.